Owning a small business can be overwhelming. How can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. There's so many places to reach customers. Email, text messages, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, live events. The list goes on. How are you, as the business owner, expected to own all of those channels? That's where Constant Contact comes in to help. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. I use this to grow my email list, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association and the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's down to seven seconds. Oh, that's a long way. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! He did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. For the championship. Shock it all in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the college basketball weekend betting preview. I'm Stucky, and with me, as always, is Colin Wilson and Mike Randall. No punishment last week, boys. Good work on the uh, Friday night six-pack. Colin, feel good to get off the schneid? Feels really good to get off the schneid, especially in college basketball where the, the swings can come, the streaks are of winning and losing can go so fast. And, uh, you know, it's been a really good week to kind of sit back and uh, be buried in the snow here in the Midwest, be able to get my eyeballs on a ton of basketball, gearing up for conference tournament play here and uh, watching my hogs catch fire after we jilted them on last week's podcast. Randall, how's your week going? It's been a great week, boys. Uh, the one thing that frustrated me was last night. We need to stop talking about metrically strong defense for Tennessee. I don't want to hear about it anymore. Bama lit him up from three at home. 75 points, Florida. 73 points, Missouri. 78 points to LSU. And last night, South Carolina, minus two starters, banging threes left and right. The only reason Tennessee survived that game is because Victor Bailey went bananas. Seven of ten from deep. Tennessee supposed to be this tremendous lockdown defensive team. They're going to challenge. And you told me Kentucky was going to be where they are, and Tennessee is going to be sitting at 8-5 and five in the SEC. I wouldn't believe it. It's been a good week, but I got to say, Tennessee, one of the biggest disappointments in college basketball. Well, you're getting right into the wrap. We're going to get to uh, recap, just a, some commentary on the week. We'll get into our Friday night six-pack with the guys from Three Man Weave. We will get into a few – we're out of future – Randall will bring his trio of futures. We'll get into some Saturday spots we have circled. Finally, I'll close up with an interview with Jordan Majewski. Uh, we'll be talking some under-the-radar mid-majors who can make some noise in March. Stay for that at the end. By the way, Colin got off the schneid. That is that term ever used in anything but sports? I, it's, I, I'd, I'd assume it's, it's a – I know that it's a term – 
I don't know, maybe it's a Yiddish term. It's a term that has to do with the the game of gin. Schneider, where you, you prevent someone from scoring, I think. Going based on memory here. And then Schneid, I think, came from that. But you never, I think Chris Berman used it a lot. But anyway, before we get to futures and six-pack, let's, uh, I know Randall already got into it quickly, but let's go around the horn and uh, just yell about something, bitch, moan, or just uh, an observation. All right, let it out. This is your rant of the week. I'll start. I would like to curse Loyola, Maryland again. At least they pushed up 13 with six to go, push and triple overtime, an absolute torture chamber of a game on Saturday. Loyola, Maryland, a big FU for that push. And, of course, they rolled the next day and I didn't have them. Randall, what do you got besides uh, you not believing in Tennessee's defense or offense? Yeah, th- guys, listen, I didn't bet it, but can the people who are pounding the chest on the Indiana win over Minnesota just take it easy, please, here? Liam Robbins was obviously banged up. No Gabe Kalishaw. He was ruled out right away. And Minnesota played very well and pretty much had that game. I know Minnesota can't win on the road. I get it. But in that situation, you pull away late in the game, and Indiana's like, oh, we, we knew we had it in the bag. We were going to cover. Really, guys? Really? No Kalishaw. Robbins is injured. I mean, just take it easy, please. Indiana's, again, been a huge disappointment. But Minnesota, on the road, not good. But that wasn't your typical not cover last night uh, out there in Assembly Hall. I think Kalsher for the for the pronunciation police. Um, oh, sorry. Thank you. I say it different every time, too, but, uh, just so I don't get tweeted out that I said we pronounced this hit wrong. But, yeah, Robbins has been awful the last – I don't even know what he's doing out there. Um, what he does, he's like one rebound in four points in 20 minutes, and now he's got to go up against on Saturday. But they're at home, so I don't know, But they're where they never lose. But he has to go against Coburn, who went for like 35 against them uh, earlier this year. But – Indiana, I don't. I mean, this is another indictment, maybe on Archie Miller, but they come out slow every game. They're never ready to play. They're down twenty-one-seven, twenty-four-seven every single game. And to their credit, they do make a lot of comebacks and make games interesting. Sometimes pull them out, like last night. But there's a lot of people in Indiana. A lot of Indiana fans are, are upset with Archie Miller. But that that's one of the the biggest things that I've noticed is they just come out flat and not prepared. It seems like way more times than should happen. Colin, what do you got for this week? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go into a big rant and a big bitch session. I think what I've done the past week, maybe we should, I'll use this space to go ahead and talk about how I've pulled back. I've really pulled back from playing six to eight games a day because I had a day a week ago where I went 0-6 on the app and in real life with my own money. Four of those games were either by a half point or a point loss. And we're talking, uh, I'm taking Kentucky and Arkansas is beating them by one. I'm taking Wichita minus two and they're beating UCF by one. So we're talking like some extremely close, narrow, uh, a total that South Carolina was involved in and they got tricked into putting in a layup at the end of the game to go over the total. We're talking some real random shit happening uh, to have a cold streak. And when you have a cold streak, if you're new to gambling or, or and you know you haven't had one of these and, and you don't want to double up, you know, you don't want to try to chase your losses. Uh, you don't want to try to play more. You don't want to become into volume. Take a step back. And this week I wrote, you know, one game a night for, for, for action, won all those games and took a step back and looked at some baseball, looked at some golf, just kind of got my mind off of it. And I'm ready to reset myself and come back and have a very, very profitable march. But those that randomness happens. Trust your process. When you come to your conclusions and you have an 0-6 night and you're losing by half points and points, 
trust your process. If you think your process is broken, then you need to completely shut it down and consider something new. But uh, things are going to get funky here down the stretch with players opting out, teams opting out. You know, if you have losses mount up, take a step back, go a bit lighter on the volume, uh, and then come back to it and keep following your process. Yeah, it's one of the questions I get most often via DM is like, all right, I'm – I can't, I'm in a losing streak or, well, I chase and now I'm in trouble. It's like, you know, and I've been doing this for so long. I'm, I'm kind of past this point, but still I will get to points where I, I'm like, all right, I need a day off or I need uh, a couple of days off. But I when, I, when I first started, those were huge when I figured out, okay, I need to take three or four days off, clear my head, not start chasing. You start looking for the easy games. So when you're first starting out and you find yourself getting in trouble, like take a step back, take a couple of days off. It can really help. And uh, yeah, I'm still personally, I'm betting a lot smaller and I'm still learning this year. Like I'm uh, as far as dollar amounts, you know, we have these back to backs. We have all the COVID breaks. We have, you know, just so no fans. There's so many unique aspects of this season that, you know, like home dogs of six plus points, like they have no bite. They're like 30%. It's insane. So I've, I'm starting to learn like, all right, where am I going to be more selective? There are these teams where, and I, I have to guess at the adjustments for COVID. And, you know, you can look back at the data and you can say, all right, it's a, worth about two to three points. If a team's off three weeks, it's up to like four plus points if it's close to a month. But that's just in aggregate and the sample size isn't great. What really is telling, and I don't have all this data and we don't have a huge sample size, is like, were that was that team able to practice? What is their conditioning like? And, and, it, and that can have an effect not only on the first game back, but the second game back. Some teams, and, and then the first game back, the second game back, you're more, these teams are more at risk of having a player out. So I'm trying to avoid these teams. Uh, look, I learned the lesson the hard way that are, are coming back from COVID or, or just avoid their games altogether. Some of these home dogs that are just overmatched, I think that they miss the home crowd more than anyone else. They just get deflated and then they don't have a fight back. So, uh, yeah, I'm still learning this year, and I've basically been treading water all season in college basketball. Uh, and uh, hopefully, just like college football, the same thing happened. We can close strong up. I spent all this time on college basketball. I'm going to fire personally in March and uh, hope that all the hard work pays off. But, yeah, I, I completely agree. Take a couple of days off, especially before March, if you need to reset, recharge your batteries, uh, get your mind right. Uh, that really helps when you're first starting out. Enough lecturing. Let's get into games, some action. Oh, yeah. Let's do this. Let's start with a look into the futures. Here's the thing about the future. Every time you look at it, it changes because you looked at it. All right, so I'm actually really, and someone asked me on Twitter, are you are you adding all these futures? I had, before the year of my futures piece, I had Illinois and St. Louis. So I already had those. And yes, anytime we add on the podcast, anytime I'm giving give advice to add a feature, I'm, I'm personally adding these. So we have five so far, and I, I actually really love all of them. We have Illinois 20 to 1. Everyone knows I love that. We have Florida State, 38-1, to one, bought them at the, a great point in time. They survived the you know a little break. They survived that weekend, and they beat Virginia. The two teams that I think can beat, Baylor or Gonzaga. St. Louis, 125-1. to one. I love them as our long shot. We're starting to see them now. Jordan Goodwin, a monster, man. Uh, we're starting to see them now, though. After that COVID break, this is a team that looks like who we thought they'd be earlier in the year. Alabama, 22-1. to one. 
another team that I think with their style and the way that the defense is playing can challenge Baylor and or Gonzaga. And then Rutgers is 80 to one, another semi long shot that I think we got a really good price range, especially if they can, you know, pull off an upset against Michigan today. But uh, so I love our five so far and it, it's been over the course of five weeks. So you would think that, Hey, this team dropped out, but I still love our portfolio. We're going to add another one tonight. Randall, you're up. Which three did you bring to the party? All right. As last time, what I want to do is give you two big teams and then one of the smaller teams with long odds that has a path and a style to get there. First up, Connecticut boys. They are back. James Boatnight is back. He returned to the team. It's the elite score that they did not have when he was out. Had 18 points, four rebounds, two steals, just 25 minutes in that big win over Providence. Now, when they lose the lead player, when a team loses their lead guy, the other guys have room to grow and they go into enhanced roles. So players like Tyrese Martin, RJ Cole, Isaiah Watley, they've had chances to shine and now they're a more dangerous offense because of it but they're still defensive-oriented with Danny Hurley. Number one in Big East play, adjusted defensive efficiency, block percentage, and second in effective field goal percentage allowed. They play hard. They lost to Creighton by eight without Boat Knight. They got revenge against Providence, and now they're going to Nova where they're very live. Now, look, if they pull that one off, these odds are completely going to change. They're shooting 36% from three-point range. They have a bunch of tough guys on defense with length, like Adama Sanogo, and three players with over a steal and a half per game. So their odds, I got them at FanDuel, 55-1 to at FanDuel. I like them. They have a go-to guy down the stretch. They have a style. They're tough. The other players have grown, and now they're getting completely healthy. UConn is my first future. Yeah, I mean, having a guy like Booktight is like you – because some of their advanced metrics – now, again, sample size isn't great. You don't play a ton of games this year, and they didn't have their best player for a long stretch, which I think will benefit them in March, right? Establishing that depth, getting more experience for all these other guys, and now you bring back your go-to player who can really just take over a game. He's a fun player to watch. So I don't think Connecticut on the surface is a top 10 team, but they have one of the best players in college basketball. And you hope that this is a, well, they were a uh, three seed um, back when they won it all. And Kemba took over games. That is what you would, you would go for here going into that tournament. There was, do we really, I don't think many people thought that, Towards the end of the regular season, I say that Connecticut was a legit national title contender. They lost four or five to end the regular season. Then they won five games in, what, five days to win the Big East tournament. And then they won. Uh, they got a three seed after that in the NCAA tournament. Then they ended up winning the NCAA tournament. They closed after losing four or five um, to close out the regular season. And actually, I think they lost seven of 11. Yeah, they were four and seven to finish out the regular season. Now they had a couple OT losses and then they won 11 straight because basically Kemba went nuts. The one thing I also do like about this Connecticut team and he may annoy you, but Dan Hurley brings energy to this team. And there are times when teams need energy right now, right? There's no crowds. You just go into these lulls and you get behind and you need, you need a spark. One of the things that I've noticed with Connecticut is that, you know, I love teams with like fired up benches or a fired up coach that can provide that source of energy. But yeah, you have a player like Book Knight and uh, a hard nosed team like Connecticut that can get after the offensive glass and defend. 
Don't hate it. What price? What price are we seeing out there? If we're gonna get fifty-five to one at Fanduel. Fifty-five to one at Fanduel. Okay. What, what's up next? Next one up, the Oregon Ducks. I can hear Stucky groaning in the background. The argument here is that they are also getting healthy. They were predicted to be one of the top teams in the Pac-12, and they really struggled there in the middle of the year without their point guard, Will Richardson. They went to Colorado. They never went in Colorado, lost there by seven, but they were tough without having Richardson. Then they had back-to-back losses to Oregon State and Washington State. Brutal. But since then, they've won three games in a row, Washington fine at home. Then they swept Arizona. Now they have Richardson back, and they have looked a lot better. They're try- they're finally getting healthy. Dana Altman has had success in the tournament. I think the time is right to buy on the Ducks. I also got them at 55-1 to 1 at FanDuel. Chris Duarte came back. He makes shots down the stretch. Not having your point guard for most of this season when playing these teams is really tough in a conference with Tiger Campbell, in a conference with McKinley Wright, who they're going to get again tomorrow. So. I think this is a good pick. Oregon, they've had that history. He got to the Final Four without Chris Boucher that year. They're starting to get things going, and they've had some pretty rough luck in terms of teams are shooting almost 78% from the free throw line against them. So this record, 12-4, and 7-3 and three in the Pac-12, could be a couple games better. They did beat Seton Hall in a neutral. They lost a close game to start the year to Missouri. So they've had some experience, and I think they could get hot here, thus making these odds worse than they are right now. Oregon, 55-1, to one, also at FanDuel. Yeah, I, I don't actually don't hate it. I love – I'm a huge fan of Dana Allman. He's a great tournament coach because of their scheme. Uh, they He will switch up defenses – change from zone to mana in the middle of the play. They will throw in some press, some full court press, some half court press, just a tough team to prepare for, especially on short rest in a tournament setting. And yeah, I think this is the time. Now, unfortunately we're recording this on a Thursday night. They play Colorado tonight. So their stock could go up even further, but I think this is the time to buy them. You know, they closed the year with Stanford, Cal, Oregon state. They do have a road game against USC, but if they win the night against Colorado and they're home against Utah, I mean, this team's going to start trending up. And basically, they've only played one game fully healthy, and that was Arizona State. Eric Williams didn't play in the Arizona game. Um, He only played 15 minutes against Arizona State. So you saw the potential at Arizona State, at Arizona, team that's just getting healthy, and they still pulled out those games. And you imagine they're just going to continue to gel uh, and get better. So, yeah, I think that this is the right time to buy Oregon. I do think that they're a potential top 20 team. Imagine if only Dante, their big, didn't get hurt and suffer a season-ending injury. Um, then the ceiling for this team would have been really high. So, yeah, I don't hate it. What do you got? What do you, what's your final pick? Last one here. Here's my long shot. DraftKings, 150 to 1. You don't want to go to war with the Rams, and VCU is ready to go to war with you. They have been extremely hot lately, and their defense has turned it up a notch. They are 10th in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency. They force turnovers like crazy. They defend the arc, which is critical for mid-major success in the NCAA tournament. And they pressure, and they get after teams, and they win on the road. Their last six games in a row that they've won, Dayton at home, LaSalle at home, fine. Then at Rhode Island, never easy at Dayton, St. Bonnie's at home, and just beat Richmond at home. 
They are 16-4, and 9-2 and two overall. Now, the question with the Rams is not the defense. It's going to be can they score. Bones Highland is getting on fire, and he's a type of guy that I think may be able to carry them for several games. Almost 20 points per game, four and a half rebounds, two steals. He's 39% from three-point range in over 160 attempts. The other guys are getting into roles. Vince Williams, Stockard, those guys can make shots. They are weak on the boards, and their offense can be spotty, but they create enough with their pressure. Of course, we've seen it before with VCU. And at 150 to 1, I think they have a style, depending on the matchup, that can cause trouble there for other teams. Early in the year, they did play West Virginia, lost a game on a neutral. They beat Utah State. They beat Memphis. They played Penn State away in a true road game, almost won. So they have played some diff- some big power five teams and competed well. VCU guys, DraftKings, 150 to one. Uh, yeah, don't hate it because they're just a, a bitch to play, and they're going to defend you. And I love Bone Thailand. I'm a huge fan of Mike Rhodes as a coach. I just worry about their offense um, at times. Now they are extremely young. Uh, you know, I mean, Highland is their is their ace. He's a sophomore. But well, speaking of ace, they have Ace Baldwin. Huge, I mean, he's a four star recruit, wanted by a lot of a, a couple major programs. Can he, can he? Can, you know, Watkins, uh, can they step up and continue to develop their games and then contribute on the offensive end as we get into March to help out Vince Williams and and Bones Highland? That uh, is a major question for me. It is an extremely young team. They do struggle to shoot, and their offense can be meh at times. But, man, they can defend. They're annoying to play. I think they're really well coached. They have a go-to play. I mean, they're top 10 defensive efficiency right now. They will if you if you don't take care of the ball, they are going to turn you over and guard you on every inch of the floor. Um, so it's definitely an intriguing team. I like the the call out of VCU. They deserve some respect. A lot of people were down on them coming into the year, but we already have our A10 long shot in St. Louis. Um, so uh, I like I like the intrigue of UConn with book Knight back and are they going to just start to ascend with him back and you have a player that can take over games. I like buying Oregon now is getting healthier with Dana Altman as a, just a, a great tourney coach, you know, who can really just switch up the looks and yeah, it's, it's a tough team to play if you're not familiar with them. So I, I'm going to have to cut reluctantly. I'm going to cut VCU um, since we already have our long shot and I'll leave it up to Colin to decide on whether or not he wants to keep Oregon or UConn. Two teams, by the way, that if you look at their advanced metrics, you have to you have to take them with a grain of salt because Oregon hasn't been healthy and UConn hasn't had its best player for long stretches. So you can identify some strengths and weaknesses of these teams, but know that this is why I think, Randall, you came with some good teams. They are now fully healthy, and the anticipation would be that they're going to get better, and the market could come down on both. Colin, what do you got? And both have, you know, both Oregon and UConn have two coaches that you can trust in March Madness to, you know, call the game right and get, you know, do what needs to be done. And 
And I think that's the thing with VCU and, and, and Mike Rhodes. There just wasn't a lot of experience there. He's been in the tournament once, lost in the first round. Uh, but that's not the case here with our two coaches of these teams. For UConn, this is a team that I can't say anything bad about. I took them 100-1 to 1 at the Westgate before the season started. I loved them for the experience that they brought back. And if you go back to what I talked about last week, it's really important to me to look at your offensive efficiency and your defensive efficiency. You have to meet certain criteria to be a real threat in the tournament. And, you know, those barriers are 113.9. You want to be over that on your offensive efficiency. You want to be under 96 on your defensive efficiency. Both these teams meet the defensive efficiency requirement. So do VCU. But none of these teams meet the offensive. And that it has to deal with, you know, not having your star player, uh, having, you know, a schedule kind of shifted around because of some cancellations. Uh, but I expect both of them to be over the threshold from an offensive side. So, you know, when you look at UConn, uh, you know, Stucky mentioned the, the energy factor. I call it the Eric Musselman factor. Uh, Hurley kind of has the same thing. He can make, you know, something out of nothing and get his players fired up at any point. Um, you know, the one hesitation I have with this team is the timing. I would want to buy this number on Sunday after a potential loss to Villanova. You guys know me. It's peaks and valleys with a stock, you know, when, when you buy a stock and when you don't. And for these guys, after this Villanova game on Saturday, uh, I, it's really kind of smooth sailing. And if you look at one of the four factors of, uh, you know, their uh, basketball, one of those is offensive rebounding. UConn is sixth in the nation. And, you know, now they get their best player back after he's missed eight games. I love them a lot. Oregon, we talk about stocks and when to buy. I'm not really sure this is the time to buy. If you look at Bracketology on ESPN, they're currently listed as a 10th seed. And if you look out the remaining schedule, yeah, Stucky mentioned they played USC. But what catches my eye is they play four straight road games to end the season. USC, Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, all that travel. And then they go to the conference tournament. So I'm not really sure that 55 to 1, if this is the best time to buy the Ducks. Do I want to buy into Dana Allman? Yeah, I think we buy into him most years. Uh, is it the time to buy because they're getting healthy? Yeah, it is. But when you look at it from a scheduling perspective and how many times they're going to be playing away from home before they go into the conference tournament, I think we could buy them before the conference tournament and probably get the same number. I don't think that's the same with UConn. I think this Villanova game after that, you're not going to get a good number on UConn. So for me, I'm going to bump Oregon purely on the fact that I don't think it's the right timing I may revisit this Ducks team and our little futures before we get to the uh, before we get to the dance during uh, conference tournaments, and we may take them then. Uh, but UConn fifty-five to one is the play because the timing is right and they meet all the other criteria. Okay, uh, yeah, and by the way, we're gonna we'll probably we'll add three more. And if you want to ride with our entire portfolio every week, I mean, I personally am, and there'll be a couple that we try to hedge, like St. Louis for sure, potentially Rutgers, depending on where they get, but basically. We're, I think, just hoping that Gonzaga or Baylor doesn't win it and we pick one of the teams. Uh, so I'm probably just letting them all ride. Um, so, uh, but or but just if you prefer and you don't want to lock up too much money or too much of investment, just pick and choose which ones you like and which ones you want to ride with. Uh, Randall, we have added UConn at 55 to 1. Book Night We Trust. Thoughts? I liked it. I was impressed how this team treaded water. He's a game changer. There are very few players right now, I think, that can come back and make the impact that he's going to make. The athleticism I saw the other night on a putback dunk was there. They have defense. They have a style. I am 
curious to see how they're going to play against Villanova. Collins, right. They lose to Villanova. You're going to get this a little bit better, but I do think there's a chance they go down there and win because I think they're, they're fired up. Hurley does a great job. You're right. In an empty stadium, he gets people going there in an empty arena. So yeah, I like it. It's kind of the one that I was leaning towards, but didn't want to lead the witness and see how you guys go through the process. Fair enough. And yeah, I don't know. Mark market expects them to lose. I don't know how much it'll, it'll change. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, it'll definitely I don't change if they win. It'll definitely yeah. change if they win. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And it sucks to Villanova lost last game. If Villanova won last game, maybe, I don't know, they would have been had a week to sit on that Creighton loss. So you're going to get a max Villanova effort. But yeah, if, if, if uh, Connecticut wins, yeah, the market's going to be like, oh, hello, book night back. And this team might be legit. All right. So Connecticut, it is Illinois, Florida State, St. Louis, Rutgers, Alabama, and Connecticut. That is our portfolio so far. It's time to move on to our weekend six-pack. Six guys, six picks. It's a College Hoops weekend six-pack. All right, we're now joined by the newest contributors to our College Hoops family here at the Action Network. Kai McEwen, Jim Root, and Matt Cox, better known as the three-man weave. They join us every week this season to help us build our weekend six-pack six picks for the Friday night college hoop slate. You can catch them on Twitter at 3MW underscore CBB and on the three-man weave podcast. Last episode, I instituted a new policy. There would be penalties if our six-pack had a losing record, which meant Jim Kai, Mike, and myself had to sing some fight songs. I, I think I lost that battle. I couldn't even listen to the podcast last week because I didn't want to hear myself sing. But my punitive measures, my punitive policy seemed to work because we went five and one. If you include Jim and I's same pick last Friday, uh, the double dip on La Tech. We crossed that La Tech in. I think I ran a lot of the under there too. So Jim and Kai, uh, don't lie. Is part of you sad that I know we had a good? You want to have a winning week, but is part of you sad that you didn't get to sing this week? Well, yeah, I think uh, clearly we have some burgeoning singing talent. Uh, I I was thinking we were going towards a Hanson type of thing, maybe take our show on the road on stage, Jim. Yeah, so I am sad that I don't get to sing this week. Hey, maybe I'll lose this week and sing next week. How about that? Yeah, just do it on purpose. Tank the pick. Uh, that yeah. boy. Just to get the singing going. I don't, it clearly helped us. Maybe that, you know, that, that humility made us work harder for our picks. The punishment worked. Hopefully we, we can still find a winner this week without doing any singing. All right. No tanking. This is not the NBA. This is college basketball. So interested to see what you have in store for us this week, especially Jim. I want to see if we have the same pick again, but we'll start with you, Kai. What do you got? Yeah, let's go with Detroit. Detroit minus nine hosting Robert Morris. The Titans have been on fire lately, and I do mean that literally 40.7% from three in conference play. And I'm a believer. I don't think it's an aberration at all. Antoine Davis is legit. Bull Cole is legit. Eight of their top nine guys on the roster are upperclassmen. This team is experienced. They can score. And Robert Morris, guys, despite the split with Oakland, I think it was very lucky. This team just lost a first-team All-Horizon player in A.J. Brahma. They went 23 for 45, over 50% from three in those two games against an Oakland zone that, quite frankly, is terrible. That's not going to happen against Detroit. So you get the Titans at home tonight off a split with the first-place Cleveland State Vikings competing for a third-place finish in the Horizon. 
Detroit minus nine. Expand your gambling horizons with the Horizon League. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see where Robert Morris, who seems to go to overtime every game, where they're at mentally. You know, they were at home and they learned that Brahma transferred. And where is this team the rest of the year? I and mean, Brahma, for those who are not familiar, average, I think like 21 and 10. Average a double-double in the year. It's a huge loss. Um, so trying to quantify that is is difficult. Uh, I've adjusted them significantly. I don't see any value at nine but uh, as of right now, but I don't have a great feel in that game. Don't hate it. So uh, can't disagree with you vehemently. Kai, Jim, it's time to find out if we match again. What do you got? Well, I, I feel like we're getting sick of the same teams on this Friday slate. You know, we see the same Horizon teams, Conference USA right. teams every week. I'm going out west, though. We got a new one on the slate, Cal Baptist. They get a Grand Canyon team that is coming off a three-week COVID pause, which we know statistically has been a detriment to squads. Obviously, there are exceptions, but that is just one little advantage I like here. I really enjoy the matchup. I think it sets up well. Grand Canyon's defense really wants to dominate the paint, force you to shoot over the top. And that's exactly what Cal Baptist wants to do. They're going to have four absolute gunners on the court at all times. Three guys are hitting over 42% from deep on high volume. They're going to be able to light it up against Grand Canyon. And honestly, there's a lot of three-point regression coming here. Uh, Grand Canyon's opponents are hitting under 27% from deep in conference play. That is insane. That's going to rise. And this is a perfect matchup for it to rise. On the other end, Cal Baptist opponents are hitting almost 39% from deep in conference play. That should go down. Cal Baptist is a team that wants to take away the three-point arc. So I think that benefits them as well. There's a little bit of worry about GCU's mountains dominating the offensive glass. But as long as Gorjak Gak stays out of foul trouble, I think Cal Baptist can hold up there. This one's available at plus 12 at Circa right now. So I'm going to lock that in plus 12. I think it's going to come down because of the way the market's been treating teams off of COVID pauses. So keep an eye out for that. I would still take it all the way down to plus 10 though. Anything into single digits is a little dicey, but keep an eye out for the plus 10 or plus 11 here. We are, we didn't match this week, Jim, but I don't disagree like I did with your FIU pick. So we've been on the same page. Plus 12, I'm shocked it opened that high with Grand Canyon not having played uh, since January 30th. I, after adjustments, I think I'd make this around the eight-ish. And yeah, Gak, for those not familiar, is a Florida transfer. Big problem in that conference. He can get in foul trouble, which is an issue. Cal Baptist plays no defense, none whatsoever, but their offense is really explosive. They have shooters all over. They have Gak in the middle. It can be a problem. So, yeah, I, I'm i on board with this pick. I guess, in tradition, I'll follow Jim with mine, since we actually don't match for once. I considered Cal Baptist, but, you know, I'm trying to get a little more conservative with these teams in games with teams off COVID breaks. I considered FIU, who I think could finally be healthy, catching a bad Southern Miss team. I considered Charlotte, but I decided to go with Utah State plus two against Boise State. I'll have a write-up for this on the Action Network app, but look, Utah State, I was on Boise State the other night in the first meeting, and I thought Utah State actually played very well. After a two-week pause, they didn't play for two weeks, and they were missing Worcester, their starting point guard. You know, Coming off a two-week break and then trying to replace your starting point guard – that's tough. And they had just a terrible shooting night. I think they were like three of 18 from three and they had some open looks. Boise had no answer for Keta in the middle, in the middle. And I don't think there's anything they could do except just religiously double him. And there's going to be open shooters who 
you know, have a game under their belt now. Um, he went for 30, 32 and 10, I think. He just dominated. But look, the game was Utah State was up at the half. It was, I think, tied with five to go or one point game with five to go. And then Boise pulled away late. It's a good matchup for Utah State. They don't, they defend really well in transition. They don't give up anything at the rim, which is important against a rim attacking Boise offense. It just has a number of guys who can attack off the dribble and they forced Boise into a lot of tough shots and ended up making them at the end of the game to pull away. But um, I liked what I saw from Utah state. I think you'll get a much better effort here after, you know, getting a game under their belt, adjusting to life without Worcester who didn't play. He was in a boot. I assume he's not going to play here. Craig Smith will make some adjustments here. I think Utah state gets the split. So I'm going Utah state plus two. At Boise. All right, for the three-man weave, guys, let's close it out with Matt. Matt, what do you got? Yes, sir. I'm going with Old Dominion. Old Dom, fresh off a two-game sweep last weekend over Charlotte. This team is finally healthy and at full strength. If you remember, they came off that terrible COVID shutdown. They were without basically their two best players, Malik Curry and A.J. Oliver against Marshall the weekend before that. Yeah, they still somehow beat Marshall, a team who's playing in top 75 territory. What I love most about this team and what this team will need in this matchup against UAB, they're just a bunch of adults, upperclassmen experience. They're not going to be phased by the swarming pressure that UAB has thrown at you as they have all year. They picked off middle and lower tier opponents, but we're starting to see the true UAB colors shine through here. Last weekend, they got swept by La Tech. They were competitive in that game, but it was nice to see UAB look mortal after blowing the doors off Rice Sands three starters, after blowing the doors off Middle Tennessee State down three plus starters. I've lost track of who's on that team anymore at this point. And also Jimmy, I'm pulling the three point variance monster card here. Old Dominion shooting 27% in conference player from the land of plenty. Are they a great shooting team? No, but they're better than 27%. It gets UAB a team that likes to pack it in when they get back in the half court. I think they'll knock down some shots. There's some value here on the Monarchs. I love it at plus seven. I still like it at plus six, plus six and a half. Yep. I, I completely agree here. I, I see value in Old Dominion. I think that you're Still catching UAB coming back down to earth, even though they got swept last week. Yeah, you know, I'm sure you'll get a max effort here after that. But Old Dominion, I think, is a team trending up. Um, I know that in that game against Marshall that they won, uh, they were down by like uh, 25 or something in the second half. Some miraculous comeback. So, uh, But still, they did come back to win. Um, they'd be- they beat Charlotte in overtime. But, yeah, I-, I-, I think that there's value in this number at plus seven. Um, so don't disagree. All right, let's round out the Friday night six pack with Randall and Colin to go. Randall, what do you got? So picks are a Bayesian process, right? So we learn and we adjust. So last time I liked the team this much was my good old Illinois Chicago, which ended up having me sing because they got buried by Wright State. What I should have done then is what I'm going to do with the team I like this week. I like St. Louis going to Dayton. The Billikens Twitter account has embraced this as revenge week. They went at LaSalle. They beat them handily by 21 at home. Now they go to Dayton to try to avenge the early season loss. Now that loss at Dayton, 76-71, was on January 26th. They were coming off a month-long COVID break, so they were all out of sorts at home, lost that game. Now they go to Dayton. Dayton's a team that's reeling a little bit. They have lost. The Flyers have lost so many now that I'm starting to wonder if they were a little bit of a paper tiger early on. They lost away at Duquesne. They beat George Mason at home. Then they lose to VCU. Then they go double overtime against Rhode Island. 
little rusty for them. They've played a lot of big games. And I believe, guys, when you have a team that's sort of overvalued, which I believe Dayton is, there's a lot of efforts, meaning like how many times can you continue to get up against teams that are better than you? And St. Louis certainly is that. I'm going to go with the under here. St. Louis is ready to roll. Yuri Collins is questionable. He may play, but Goodwin has certainly taken over in the backcourt there. They're talking about him as point good because he's been fantastic. In the three games there with Collins out, 15 points, 12 rebounds, six assists, and three steals. And the other night, he had the old quadruple nickel, 17 points, 11 rebounds, six assists, and six steals. Right now, the line is going up. It's at 137 and a half. I'm going to take it under there. I don't think both teams reach 70. I think St. Louis is going to lock them down. I think Dayton is going to be in a rivalry game at home. Is going to have to try to slow this pace down as well. The line opened at St. Louis minus three and ballooned right away to St. Louis minus five and a half. That's too many points for me to give here on the road in conference. But I am going to take the under on two defensive teams. Dayton at home is going to slow things down. St. Louis wants revenge. I think they're going to lock them down as well. So we're going to go under 137 and a half. Good. It should be point God. Uh, for those not familiar with uh, George Good, who I think should be player of the year in the A-10. Although it's tough. I mean, they, St. Louis did have like a two-month-long break, so they didn't play as many games. Um, so Bones Highland is it deserved to be in that discussion as well. Uh, but Goodwin could go for like 20 and 15 rebounds on any given night as a guard, and then six assistants, six steals. Uh, great player. Colin, close us out. Hey, this is producer Matt in a proud weekend six-pack tradition. The game Colin is about to preview has been canceled. So disregard, and it will be yet another five-pack this Friday. Yeah, well, it's going to go with Rice. Rice plus seven and a half. That's Rice basketball. They are on the cusp of not making the Conference USA tournament. So with the CUSA tournament, you have to realize that there are more teams than there are spots. Only the top 12 spots make it in uh, with the structure that they have. So some of the worst teams don't make it, and Rice is right there. No one shoots more threes in Conference USA than the Owls, and they have the top percentage from deep at 39%. And that number is steady when it comes to home games, which is where this game is going to be. Rice shoots 4% better from long distance at home in Tudor Fieldhouse than they do on the road. And they're welcoming in Marshall. Now, Marshall's going to be in the tournament, uh, but they're 13th. They're almost dead last in the conference in defensive rebounding, which means Al should have you know plenty of second-chance points, plenty of putbacks, or even more three-point shots. It's a really good buy-low-sell high point as Marshall's off Three wins, but I mean, look at the competition. Middle Tennessee State is absolutely terrible. Uh, Old Dominion was in there. Uh, while Rice is coming off really a respectable two losses, Western Kentucky is king in the conference. And, you know, you go on the road and lose to them. They covered the first game against them. So Rice is playing pretty hard. They know the consequences of losing this game. This is a huge setup coming up for Rice to try to make the conference tournament. They can cover against Western Kentucky on the road. They could certainly cover at home against a Marshall team that's going to allow them to shoot threes and can't rebound the ball. So give me the desperate team on a great buy low, sell high point. All right. So there you have it. We have rice, fried rice. I'm surprised that Randall didn't go with UIC and his boy Yakit, but uh, <laughs> he went with Dayton under. I went with Utah State. Kyle went with Detroit minus nine against Robert Morris. Jim Cal Baptist plus 12 versus Grand Canyon and Matt. ODU plus seven versus UAB. I, I agree. I can't wait till we get like some conference tournaments and other teams. I'm getting sick of these Friday night teams for the Friday night six pack. Um, all right. 
Let's move on. Let's talk some Saturday here before we bring in Jordan. And uh, we'll talk some circled spots. So many games, so little time. Let's look at the Saturday slate. Um, I'll start. I, I was really going to like Oklahoma State against Baylor off that shutdown, but Baylor got postponed again. I'll start with one I, I brought up a couple weeks ago. Iowa State, I think they just match up well with Oklahoma. Oklahoma's off that West Virginia win. And Iowa State, look, they can shoot. You're, you're playing a sagging Oklahoma perimeter defense that can struggle in that department. We saw that in Norman when Iowa State gave them a game. I think we're going to get value with Iowa State again here. Uh, they, they were coming off a bunch of blowout losses. They don't match up well with Kansas. They don't match up well with Oklahoma State. Uh, I think they'll fight here trying to get their first conference win. Oklahoma may be a little fat and happy after that West Virginia win. Going here in a potentially sleepy spot name. So uh, I have Iowa State circled. Randall, what do you got? So I understand everybody's going to jump on the Duke train here, okay, because no Jalen Johnson, and we really righted the ship because we're fired up with two wins against NC State and Wake Forest. But here comes UVA now, and UVA is going to be all sorts of annoyed after that blowout loss against Florida State. I know that the betting public wants to jump back on Duke and, and think that Coach K figured things out, but they still can be very streaky. I don't think they're going to bang as many threes. I think Virginia is disciplined. They always play them tough, even when Duke was at the height of their powers. UVA is going to be a pick, maybe a one-point favorite here. I'm going to go against Duke. I think the Duke that we've seen for the majority of the year is who they are. I don't think they've turned a corner. I don't think Matthew Hurd, who's stationary, all of a sudden is a creative scorer. I'm not buying it. I'll go with Virginia's defense. I'll go with them on the road, angry after Florida State. I'll take Virginia, either either a pick or a one-point favorite. I don't know. I may disagree with you, but I have to dig into this game more. I'm going to actually going to write it up. I, I had to eat crow with, with Duke the last two games, and I faded them. Spoken like a true leader, which is all Shashevsky says he ever wanted to be. That's what I was trained to do. That's why I went to West Point, to be a leader. And I've been reading these, these articles and Twitter and some forums that say that Duke is better without Jalen Johnson which is hard to believe. But if you go back to when they won the national championship, Rashid Suleiman, I think he like left after 20 games. Yeah, and they, ended up right. winning the, they ended up winning the national title. Look, they might be better with Williams in there as, as far as knowing how to defend the paint. But there was rumors that the, the chemistry was off. I think they're better with him not even on the bench. He didn't really know his role. All these other guys are playing hard. They just look like they're playing harder. They're actually playing defense. It's a very fascinating game and a fascinating topic. Like, is Duke a lot better without Jalen Johnson? I don't know. This game is huge for Duke uh, and their tournament resume because they're squarely on the bubble right now. Uh, I can see both sides of this argument. You could be like, look, Duke, who cares? They won two games against meh without Jalen Johnson. But I could also see the argument um, that, look, and I've adjusted them a lot just from the eye test, that without Jalen Johnson, something – is is clicking here uh Colin what do you got it's just like a universal thing no matter what sport we bet whenever a star you know player goes down uh you know usually it's injury and not COVID or opting out or anything like that but the team pulls together and get you know has a great performance and then after that they're a little bit deflated so we'll see how that turns out for Duke for me I'm going to buck a huge trend uh we all know that if you're playing at Minnesota, you're probably going to lose. And when Minnesota is playing on the road, they're going to lose because they cannot win a road game at all, losing by 10 to Indiana. Uh, number five, Illinois, heading in to play Minnesota. Uh, Illinois is trying to get that one seed. Uh, they're trying to do everything they can to get their best position possible for, for their March Madness run. 
It should be about Illinois minus four-ish. And they didn't dominate Northwestern in their last game. And, and now they go into what is the toughest place to play in the Big Ten at Minnesota, where the Gophers just played out of their mind. Their only home loss came to Maryland. And they haven't, you know, they haven't won a road game. They're great at home. I'm going to go against it, and I'm going to back Illinois. Minnesota is the worst defensive rebounding team in the conference. They're 11th in defensive effective field goal percentage. Illinois with AO and Cockburn, they are going to dominate the paint down low. And then on the flip side, Illinois' perimeter defense is what gets them into trouble at times. Minnesota can't expose that, at least in the stats that, you know, combine home and road, they can't expose that. So if Minnesota just doesn't go completely ape from the three-point line, uh, you know, they're the worst three-point shooting team in the conference. Uh, Illinois should get out here, and I think they should cover it. So I'm, I'm going to buck this whole Minnesota home trend. Yeah, it's from a matchup perspective. It's I mean, look, the, Minnesota's now down Kalsher, who like was was shooting so poorly, but I, I was like, he's a regression candidate. He's going to start hitting shots, but now he's out. Liam Robbins is hurt, and I don't know what he's doing out there. Right, um, and he he just he they got he, he got abused by Coburn in their first matchup. They lost, I think, by like twenty seven. Uh, and I'll, just to play devil's advocate, Minnesota at home, there's some magic in the barn this year. I mean, they beat, I mean, they blow out Ohio State. They beat, they blow out Michigan. I, I, they just play spectacular at, at home, but they, you know, they're not at full strength right now. Um, and then Illinois, who I love, they just are of late, like they, they just are a little lackadaisical to start games. Like they beat Indiana in overtime. They came back and beat Iowa. You know, they beat Nebraska in overtime. They beat Northwestern by – like, they. I think that they're just at this point where they know how good they are and they're just – they know that Iowa can close. So, uh, do they come out a little flat here? Uh, I don't know. They shouldn't. It's for a one seed. Um, but from a matchup perspective, I don't I don't disagree with you. Um, all right. Uh, I'll go – so I'll go Citadel um, next. VMI has been one of the best stories in college basketball. It's remarkable what head coach Dan Earl has done. And, you know, they just beat UNC Greensboro. But this team is the team that's been really good at home. And they still have a home presence at VMI in, in Lexington, Virginia. They still have the the cadets there. It's a tough place to play. And they've been great at home. They're only one in nine I believe on the road and that one road win came in overtime. This is a big, big time revenge spot for Citadel. And these two teams are just really similar. Um, Duggar, Balcom, the coach of Citadel used to coach at VMI up until 2015. And, and they just play similar styles. Um, although VMI is, they're, they're going to, they press a lot. They run a lot, a ton of junk zones. I don't think that's a great idea against the Citadel team. Who's playing a little better defense, still an awful defense. Neither one of these teams plays it great defense but Citadel put up 103 in the first meeting they lost 109 to 103 at VMI these teams just chuck threes you know they don't force any turnover I mean you just actually yeah go to kenpom.com and click the either one of these to put them there these teams are identical but uh, I think we're going to get Citadel in a good spot here they've lost I think three or four straight to VMI they lost earlier this season VMI off a big win you get Citadel at home yeah I think that we can we're maybe going to get three here which would be nice and I, I would love that uh the first game that they played when VMI went crazy and scored 109 points um look they both shot really well from three but VMI's Jake Stevens went for 33 points just dominated down low 
but there was a lot of hustle plays. The crowd played a factor. They just, I think that you'll get a much better effort from Citadel here. Um, So I think there's going to be value in the home, small home dog. Hopefully we can get three plus who I think pulls off the win. Randall, what do you got next? Ian DeBose is back for Wake Forest. He was top score last year. He's 13 points per game. He's been back for Wake Forest for five games now. They're going to host NC State. NC State turns the ball over more than anyone else in the ACC. Their offensive turnover rate is the worst among all of those teams. NC State is trying to catch up here with some games. They're going to end up playing in 11 days. They have Syracuse at home. They play Duke at home. They just went to Pittsburgh and won. Now they're now they're going on the road again to Wake Forest. Wake Forest played them very well. Uh, the game was five points there back on January 27th. Kept it close. Now they're going home. Forbes has Wake Forest playing very, very well. They got blown out against Duke. I understand that, but that was a situational spot in my mind. DuBose is back. This team's going to be better. Davian Williamson's been excellent. Came over from East Tennessee State with Forbes. They're going to be a slight underdog at home. NC State still trying to adapt here without Devin Daniels. Helms, Helms has played very well, but Funderburk turns it over inside. They do have those turnover problems, which is an issue, and they don't make their free throws. So I'm going to take Wake Forest as a slight underdog, whatever it is, a point two. If I get two, I'll be thrilled at home here to win outright against North Carolina State. Don't hate it. Uh, what do you got, Colin? Yeah, the SEC just completely got turned upside down between you know storms in the area and everything else. We had some games get shifted, and now Auburn uh, gets to travel to LSU, uh, reschedule after all the, the weather we've had here in the territory. Sharif Cooper has not had a 20-point game since January 26th, and his performance, his offensive rating continues to decline. And you got to wonder if opposing defenses have kind of figured out how to defend Auburn, especially at the beginning of the game. Uh, and the Tigers have lost four of their last five. There's no SEC tournament for this Auburn team. There's no postseason for this Auburn team, period. You would expect this team to either ride fast and hard to the end of the regular season or crash and burn because that's it, regular season and done. And I don't really believe – I don't know Sharif Cooper's NBA prospects, but I can't imagine him hanging around. So I like LSU here at home. They are playing for their lives to get that double buy uh, to keep up with Arkansas. Uh, for the SEC tournament double by and to stay on the opposite side of the bracket from Alabama. Uh, Auburn here, you know, lost four of their last five. I'm not really sure where their head is or how they're going to finish the season, considering the fact they're not even going to play in the SEC tournament. Don't hate it at all either. Uh, I'll bring up, I think Charlotte, if they lose game one, game two um, on Saturday is one I had circled, but uh, I'll close things out. Do three each. Miss State, I think that there's a chance that we get some value here on Mississippi State at Ole Miss in Oxford. They, if you look at just the final score, they lost by 18 at home earlier this year to Ole Miss. But the game was pretty close. I think it was like a three-point game with 10 minutes to go. Ole Miss pulled away. I think that this Mississippi State team is just, I mean, they're, they're heading south. And there's really nothing to play for. They're not going to the NCAA tournament. Their last two, I mean, they're coming off a blowout home loss to LSU and a blowout home loss to Vanderbilt. Uh, If there's any one game left where they're going to get up before the conference tournament, it's this game against their rival with a chance to potentially help ruin their resume and keep them out of the tournament, a team that blew them out earlier in the year. And then you're catching an Ole Miss team. I mean, you're selling them as high as possible. Um, after four straight wins, including wins against Tennessee, Missouri, they just they easily won against South Carolina. 
Uh, but keep in mind, in that South Carolina game, uh, you know, you had Kuznar go out after eight minutes. So, yeah, they had a little bit of a for- of good fortune. Can we get seven plus? That'd be lovely. I think this is a spot where Mississippi State gives their max effort. It's a buy- classic buy low, sell high spot. I think you get uh, solid all-around games from both Stewart and Molinar. So, uh, I'll be looking at Cowbell on the road. Randall, what's your final pick? Last spot for me is on Sunday. What were you guys doing on Sunday, January 24th? Because that's the last time Davidson played. Now they have to go up and travel against St. Bonaventure. Don't worry, guys. They have a tune-up tonight on Friday against Southern Virginia. If you're playing a directional school in Virginia and it's not West Virginia, forget it. They're going to go up to St. Bonaventure. They haven't played for a month. Now, listen, St. Bonnie's weakness is that they don't have depth. I understand that. But I don't think Davidson is going to go in there and draw a lot of fouls. I think they're going to be rusty. Bonaventure is going to be home. They haven't lost at home all year. Davidson's going to be very, very rusty coming into this game. This is a bad spot. St. Bonaventure needs this win. They lost at St. Louis. That was a rough one. They lost at VCU. That was a battle. Now they've got to win this. Here comes Davidson. Ken Palm has it at four, probably will open around five or six. I think the Bonnies here at home against a Davidson team that has not played in a long time, and I'm not counting Friday night, is going to struggle up here in St. Bonaventure, New York. All right, Colin, let's uh, close us up here. I want to look at Saturday by – look, you haven't mentioned Arkansas basketball podcast, so uh, give us a, an idea of what we can expect in Arkansas at Texas A&M on Saturday. Woo, pig suey. Collins talking Razorback basketball. Yeah, I mean, you're basically looking at the hottest team in the SEC right now versus the worst team in the SEC. Ken Palm predicts this game to be an eight-point win by Arkansas. And really what has made the hog so good is the role players. Justice Smith returned from injury. Uh, He's been playing out of his mind. Devontae Davis uh, didn't get much playing time uh, up until conference play. Uh, Jalen Tate. Uh, I think the thing that's important for everybody to realize, why is Arkansas winning and why are all of a sudden they covering all of these games? Musselman had a story come out today about this when he was the coach of the Venezuelan national team that he essentially kept his team on the court all night until they finished a free throw drill. And so now the Razorback players are saying, yes, coaches kept us here three, four hours after practice until we've been doing this rotation free throw drill. And if you look at Tate and you look at Vanover and you look at Davis, they're the ones that have been icing these free throws late in the game to get this home for the Hogs. This is a different Hogs team than we had a few weeks ago when they were ice cold. Uh, you know, they're going up against a Texas A&M offense as dead last in offensive efficiency, dead last in three-point percentage. Uh, they're just not going to be able to get it done against Arkansas. Uh, you know, the Razorbacks are cruising right now, but let's not get too happy here. Ken Palm makes it eight. I'd probably get it up to about nine, nine and a half. Double digits may be a little bit too rich. It is a terrible spot. Like, they've been rolling. They beat Florida. Guess who comes in to town next? Uh, Alabama. Um, So, it's an awful situational spot. And let me mention that real quick, too, because the big pull around Arkansas was to get – one of the double buys a week ago, it was a question whether they would get a double buy in the sec tournament. And now at nine and four in conference, they've locked that up. I mean, they're, they're, they're the flat out two seed right now. Uh, it would be almost impossible for them with the remaining schedule 
to fall down to the five seed. Uh, so what that means is, is they've now positioned themselves to have a double buy and be on the other side of the bracket, despite if they lose to Alabama. I'm not saying the rest of the regular season is meaningless, but really when it comes to seeding SEC tournament, they've cemented their spot by beating Florida, Missouri, Kentucky all in a row. So I'm not saying they're going to fall off the map, but I'm saying they've pretty much done the work to get them in their own spot. They're not, you know, they, I'm not sure they're going to get content. Uh, you know, I, I think Musselman wouldn't allow them to get content with their spot, but you're right. Alabama's a look ahead spot. So be careful with this line. I think double digits would be too much. All right. Uh, there you have it. A look at Saturday. It's time to catch up with friend of the pod. You know, him on Twitter at your Cubs, Dan, Jordan Majewski, my favorite college basketball follow and who I rely on sometimes to text on who is going to be out or in for say USC upstate or someone random. There's no one that I know that knows more what's going on, Jordan. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, Okay. So we have a a quick exercise that we're going to go through three underrated mid majors. I told you just, I I don't know who you're going to pick have to be rated. 65th or worse on Ken Pop. We'll get to that in a second, but I do want to ask you, uh, a few weeks back I texted you, if you could take five teams, you're going to take a pack of five teams that could potentially, you think, have the best chance to beat both Baylor and Gonzaga. Um, have you changed your mind on who those five teams would be? I think Michigan, Florida State are locks in my top five still, and the rest are kind of up for grabs. I would actually be willing to slide uh, Loyola in there. Yeah, I think they present a lot of matchup problems for anyone. Just their, you know, unique ability to run all offense out of the high post there through Crutwig. You know, the offense obviously has some some issues at times, but I think they're they are legitimately as good as anybody in that kind of tier tier three. I would put Michigan and Florida State in my tier two behind um, uh, Gonzaga and Baylor. You said Bama without hesitation before. Are you a little less high on them? I I am. I think there's just, you know, so much variance involved there. But they are, you know, they don't have to hit, you know, 16 threes a game to win, obviously. They're talented top to bottom. And they're not even healthy yet, you know. So that's the kind of scary part is – Bruner can get back and be a contributor and, you know, in legitimate game shape come, come March, then yeah, I think they are, I would put them in the same Florida, Florida state, Michigan tier as well. Yeah. It's it's just, I go back and forth with like, all right, what would be the formula? And I think because Gonzaga and Baylor are so much better, I, I look for teams that are high variance style, shoot a lot of threes, but maybe just no one is really going to outscore them. And Loyola who prevents matchup problems and just grind the game down, limit the number of possessions. Um, who knows? Um, all right. But why I brought you here, I asked you a simple question. I'll let you run with it. Give me, and I'll actually try to guess which three you're going to pick, but I, I said, give me three mid majors that you think are the most underrated in the country right now that could win a game or two come tournament time. I'm going to guess that you are going to go with Santa Barbara, Furman and Abilene Christian, knowing you, but take it away. What do you got? So you totally nailed the first two. Um, ACU would be on that list. I think they're probably in a lock for a 15 or 16 seed. So I kind of avoided someone who's going to be 
on you know that line. But UCSB is my number one. You nailed that right away. Just top to bottom, they're a solid team. They have you know they kind of check off every box that you're looking for with one of these mid majors that could pull off an upset. Uh, seen, you know, senior point guard McLaughlin is big, controls the game, does absolutely everything well. Um, they can shoot, they can score inside with um, Amadou So. They have athleticism. Um, they defend really well. Uh, veteran team, you know, I just think they're just not being talked about because, you know, they um, aren't on TV, basically. They haven't been on TV the entire season. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I wrote actually a piece today on them and said that they're one of the most underrated teams in the country. And the only problem, and look, there's some other good teams in the Big West that could make noise in that tournament, uh, Riverside and, and even Bakersfield, but is can they get by Irvine, who they don't necessarily match up that well with? But if they do, yeah, they're scary in the tournament. Yeah, right. Obviously, the, the Irvine situation is not great considering – they were uh, swept by them already, but that was earlier in the year, you know, kind of around Christmas, if I recall correctly, or right after Christmas. That is a concern, and it would also concern you when they play against the team. Irvine's huge, and when they would play in the tournament against a team with talent and size. Um, but, yeah, Furman, you uh, guessed correctly as well. Senior point guard, just spread the floor with shooters all over, uh, shooters with size as well size and experience they are kind of the complete package as well you know there's some concerning losses in conference but the SOCON's a really competitive you know they're like just a tier below the kind of you know west coast conference and stuff like that just a very competitive mid-major conference so I would yeah look out for a firm in there just with their ability to spread the floor get some um, high major bigs and trouble and guarding in space on the perimeter. Okay. And the third, which I didn't guess, I'm curious. So the third is up in the air. You know, you want to say Belmont, but I have some concerns about them uh, against like athleticism, especially their guards versus bigger athletic guards. Colgate, you know, is a team two years ago who nearly knocked off Tennessee and still has Jordan Burns, but they really lack a lot of height and athleticism. Um, so I'm, I'm going to slide in. This is kind of cheating. The winner of um, CUSA, assuming it's one of um, North Texas, Western Kentucky, UAB, or Louisiana Tech. I kind of view them all on the same line, and I think all capable of winning a game for similar reasons. Western Kentucky, you know, has a NBA talent in Bassey. UAB can play a really – confusing style for someone who's not prepared. They kind of remind me of MTSU a few years ago with their ability to mix up, um, you know, like a trapping press and a diff several different zones. Louisiana Tech has a ton of athleticism and North Texas is really well coached, well prepared and solid top to bottom. So I know it's cheating because that's what four teams I just rattled off, but I think they're all kind of, you know, similar in, they're all from the same conference. So I, I'm going to try to sneak that in. Well, if La Tech gets in, everyone can watch my favorite player in the country and Kenneth Lofton, junior or freshman, who's like six, seven, like 300 pounds, but he plays like a, like a guard in the post. He's great vision. He's like, yeah. on his feet. I love watching him play. Um, yeah. But I, you, you don't put Marshall, you don't put Marshall up there with their unique style and their guards and ability to score. Uh, no, I don't. 
You know, and it's funny because I want to knock their defense, but they're actually playing like the best defense they've ever played under Dan Tony. I guess Marshall could be could be in there. You know, I was just really, I guess, still bitter about the uh, Old Dominion game a couple Fridays ago. I can't believe Old they Dominion blew out. Was, uh, yeah, I guess Marshall could be on that line, but I, I, those the other four, I think, are a little bit above UAB, maybe a, a shade below the other three. I have con- concerns about their offense. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, I can't wait for the actually for both of the the but all three of the conference tournaments. So conference USA, Big West. I mean, every the Southern. I mean, there's be so many great conference tournaments that I'm excited for. Um, I appreciate you joining us. Make sure you check them out at Jor Cubs Dan. I'll I gotta ask you one final question that I've asked a few of our guests. Right now, you have to take one for a million dollars. Baylor or Gonzaga for the national title. Who are you taking? Baylor. Any reason why? Or you just think they're a tad better? A tad better. I think their um, defense overall is a little better. Um, I think they can maybe uh, throw a few things defensively out that uh, Gonzaga can't do. I have to give a lot of credit to what the much maligned in the past Scott Drew has been able to do at Baylor. I'm curious. Maybe maybe he pulls out his zone again. They don't even run zone anymore in the tournament. Um, which is one of the reasons yeah, why they've right. been able to make 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 uh, some runs in the past with much less talented teams. Um, all right, good stuff as always. If you love college basketball content, follow Jordan. Um, thanks for joining us, and uh, I'll let you get back to your hoops. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks to Jordan for joining us. Thanks to the guys from Three Man Weave. Thanks, as always, to Colin and Mike Randall. Let's have a weekend starting with a winning Friday night six pack and uh if we have a losing one keep sending ideas there's a monetary reward if we use your punishment ideas hopefully we won't have to institute any the rest of the year uh subscribe unsubscribe leave a review i still have giveaways to do need more reviews on the podcast takes a minute it really helps us tell a friend tell an enemy know the drill follow all our picks on the action network app find all of our content at actionnetwork.com thanks everyone for joining us by the way baseball betting podcast out monday morning win totals we're doing that with uh, Zerillo and Colin. But thanks, as always, for listening. Appreciate y'all. Can't wait for March. We'll catch y'all next week. Cheers. Peace out. Get that popcorn. We're finished talking. <laughs>